What we do to the land, we do to the water. What we do to the land, we do to the sea. What we do to the land, we do to the rivers. What we do to the land, we do to you and me. All right, welcome back to the Public Lands Podcast. We are here at beautiful Holden Village in uh, right above Lake Chelan, Washington. And I'm here with the uh, directors, executive directors, I believe, of Holden Village that are in their fourth year of their fifth year term. And it's Peg Carlson Hoffman and Chuck Hoffman. So thank you both so much for giving your time with your busy days. Um, thanks, Chuck and Peg, for being here. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Glad you're here in the village. Yeah, it's well, it's a, it's wonderful to be here. And uh, I want to talk to you today about the stewardship activities here at Holden. I know it has a, a, a impressive history that goes back decades. As a mine, it goes back further than that. So let's maybe start there. How interesting to set up a Lutheran retreat village where there was a mine and where remediation, I believe, is ongoing. Can you tell us a little bit about that remediation effort with the mine? Well, I'd like to go back even farther than that <laughs> to talk just briefly to say that this is an amazing uh, natural geological intersection um, of beautiful mountains and valleys and all the things that that entails. And then um, also just to add a little bit that the indigenous peoples that were here first used this as they called um, the way through. And so there were a lot of peoples that were here uh, well before the mine that used this as a, a, a gathering place for medicines and for a, a place to pass through mostly. Uh, because of our elevation, it wasn't, you wouldn't have built anything here until you could have heat. But um, at, at the lower elevations, there were, pe there were people living. But up here, uh, the first people to actually settle into this land um, were the, the people that came and uh, took the mine. Yeah, the conditions are such up here. We get over 270 inches of snow in the winter. So, and we can get, I think the highest snowfall was nearly 500 inches one year. So it, to survive up here takes a little bit of um, ingenuity yeah. and um, perseverance so um, but it's a beautiful land it's a beautiful place in this valley all year round um, but the miners came in the 30s in the 30s and uh, to mine copper I think there were people out looking before that um, but it was heavily mined uh, in the 40s 30s 40s and into the 50s when in the price of copper dropped and they abandoned um, it was heavily mined uh, during World War II to supply that effort, uh, copper and other metals that came out of the mine. Um, and the byproduct, um, the tailings, um, were, became a problem. Uh, so when Holden became Holden Village, the education center up here, um, we had tailings. And so back, I don't know when it began, uh, but conversations with previous owners of the mine uh, were, were um, attempting to get it cleaned up. Uh, a lot of stuff had starts and stops that really didn't work. And then Rio Tinto 
um, came along, and they are actually responsible for the remediation that has gone on now. Yeah, and I want to say a little bit about um, uh, the, the after the mine closed in the 50s when World War II ended and the price of copper dropped, uh, they just closed the mine, and basically um, Holden Village it looks almost like it did then. The buildings are still the mm -hmm. same buildings that were here during the mining period. And um, it was, um, they tried to sell it. They tried to, the mining company tried to peddle it as a ski resort and a couple of other things, but it's so remote that nobody ever bought it. And there was a, a crazy, um, crazy guy named Wes Pree, Wes Pree <laughs> who wrote to them and say, said, well, I'll buy it for a dollar. And he kept bugging them and sure enough, um, the mining company sold it to the Lutheran Church um, for a dollar. Wow, that's fascinating. And what you've been doing since, I, I'm taken back to a place like the Berkeley Pit in Montana where it was copper as well, and mm -hmm. they're getting to that critical line where they're having difficulties dealing with mine remediation. What sort of efforts are going on? And, and as well, I think the interpretive effort that, that you're telling people about it and educating people about this issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Rio spent, um, it, Holden Village closed in 2000, the end of 2012, the season, and then the remediation uh, began, uh, and then the village reopened. We were directors at that time, and it reopened in um, 2016, uh, at least partially open, and then our full first full guest season was 2017. Um, so the, they have responsibility for the water quality here uh, for the next 200 years. So they mm -hmm. had to build a water treatment plant, and then, of course, then how do they staff that? So there's about 12 that are about a mile outside of the village here that are responsible for monitoring. It's just an enormous project. Uh, some of that has happened on um, some of the land that Holden actually owned, and some of it is, and most of it is um, public public lands owned by the Forest Service. That's fascinating. So it's a great, I mean, we look at it, um, it's an education site. So we bring in a lot of scientists mm -hmm. to look at this. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lot of different issues that you could speak into. It's like care for the earth and what is our responsibility for ongoing mining? I mean, what we purchase and what we decide to do is not sustainable. So. Um, to have lessons in there on that. The, this mine, too, is a still the cost of this $700 million project, $500, $600 million, you kind of lose track of numbers there, um, is a result of World War II. So it really should be on the tab of World War II um, mm -hmm. because of the mining efforts we're going towards that war effort. So as we think about war uh, going forward, what does that mean not only to the scarring of the planet, but what does that financially mean, let alone lives and all the other stuff that comes so into the that externalities that, that yeah. Rio Tinto or others can have, that much like Hanford, another, yes. speaking of World War II site, right. the yeah. largest Superfund site yeah. also. Yeah. So we bring in a lot of teachers to speak into that and talk about that and what is our role, what do we play in and what can we do with that. The other thing that is, might be important to note, especially about this, um, is that in the remediation process, the water is—it's mostly a water project. So it's how mm -hmm. do we do get the how do we get the heavy metals out of the water? 
So it goes through um, a process where those metals are settled out in, into a cake that's formed and compressed, and that those metals actually go back up into the tailings, into the, tailings, into the mountain, or by the mountain um, where they all began. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like you um, you need to learn how to we need to all learn how to live with the woundedness that we've created as a human beings. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it, it's a, um, a wonderful actually metaphor of how do we learn to live with our own woundedness mm-hmm. and how do we learn to live with a wounded earth mm-hmm. that we've um, been very busy destroying. And so Holden, I think, as a locus, a sort of center for the Lutheran Church in terms of that kind of learning, stewardship, etc., I would think that one of your main functions is all these people come from all over the country, probably beyond, mm-hmm. and hopefully take those lessons back to their own areas, their own places. Is that sort of an element of what you do here as well? Yeah, and then I would also say that it's beyond Lutheran, um, mm-hmm. that we're very ecumenical, and moving in a direction of interfaith and then non-faith. I mean, what are the conversations we have with our scientists too, or all people? The, the earth is a problem for all of us. It's our only home. Um, but that is part of our drive and vision as directors is to continue that Holden Village is an education um, renewal center. Um, that sometimes we get hung up on the word retreat because we're not really retreating from anything, that mm-hmm. we're actually coming and providing and calling, equipping, and sending people to go home mm-hmm. uh, with maybe lessons learned. So that that's why Peg and I have been so focused on attracting faculty from around the world um, to talk about all types of subjects, um, from the sciences to eco-theology to the arts and what voice does the arts uh, have in this conversation going forward. Peg and I are both visual artists and, and very much work in the intersection of um, sort of reconciliation, uh, not only with one another, but with the earth itself. So uh, we feel that all those disciplines really need to come to the table to figure out our way forward. Um, mm-hmm. But Holden has a lot of principles and, and they've been instilled for a long time. Like we have a village garbologist. So we are very, uh, try to streamline um, from our food philosophy and and the cost of bringing that food up on a barge. That's the only way we can get stuff here. So there's a lot to consider. We only have 52 days a year um, of weather that would grow something. So we can't grow our own food. So we don't have a long enough growing season. So that's the biggest um, uh, out outreach as far as food goes that mm-hmm. we can't do that but everything else like we're off the grid we have a hydropower plant and our our biggest thing is trying to practice that's what we do at Holden Village I mean there's a community that lives here year-round and what we do is practicing living I we like to call it the disciplined pursuit of less like pursuing less because we're past sustainability now I mean, we can't sustain on this earth what we're already doing. Mm-hmm. So we really have to pursue less. But in, in the process, how do we live with what we have? So in the winter, when um, the, the water starts to trail off, our power goes down. So instead of having 400 people in the village, we can only have 140 because we can only um, generate, generate so much power. And as the, as the power goes down, different things go off in the village. 
like the first thing that goes it's always so sad is when the dryers go the, all the dryers <laughs> get turned off and then um we learn to live without the, that yeah and then the washing machines get turned off and you know all of the power sucking kinds of uh, things go so, and, you, so you scale to your resources that mm -hmm. sounds so un-american Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is on well, well, I mean, no, but that's right. Yeah, it's but it's kind of. Yeah. I know it, it sounds kind of dopey, but it's like really kind of fun. Like how much, how mm -hmm. much, how you know what, how little power can we actually live on? And yeah. and I will say that um, you know we do switch to a wood source of heat when we get down that low, um, and, but we have uh, a lot of since the fire we have a lot of dead and burn trees um, to use for fires. So right. that is helpful. Yeah, but the scaling back is really, I mean, that's been a good discipline of less. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it comes into our food philosophy and buying local food down lake and bringing that up, but to making sure that we um, use the food that's created, right? We don't try not to have waste. Um, and then we do our own garbology, which we have a village garbologist that really then focuses on how to turn those food scraps back into compost that goes back into the earth and you, you might probably have smell it outside, right outside the window the building here today because it's being spread for uh, on some grass of the grass to, uh, but so everything is is very much streamlined and there's a lot of um, effort put against that too to make sure that we're not wasting anything that comes up here yeah you know it's in in addition to you mentioned the fun aspect of it it also sounds like a lot of work <laughs> and I, I think uh, it's probably joyful work for you but i'm sure it is a lot of work uh, the last question i'll have for you is i always like to find out how people come to these positions for one thing a lot of students listen to this podcast mm -hmm. how did you get to this point where you wanted to be executive directors at holden and how did you come to holden well, I, th that's really an interesting question because um, I think part of it was that we'd reached a time in our life, both of us are from corporate America. Um, I worked for Hallmark Cards for 21 years as a, cre a creative director, as an artist and a creative director. And for me, it was time to give back, um, time, time to um, go someplace that was uh, just more of a giving back thing than an acquiring. Well, we were done acquiring for sure. And we're both we're both artists, so we are very circuitous, circuitous in our, <laughs> our process. And so I think it was not a career path for sure. <laughs> um, so I think it came through a lot of different ways. Uh, we're both, um, we had corporate lives and um, I left my corporate life and I went to study art and theology in a seminary. Um, and we both, while well, we both have that interest at that intersection, um, I think it was like a whole series of events that, that really brought us to connection here. We, we teach, um, we paint together, uh, we exhibit together and lecture together. And, and through that process, we met someone who said, have you heard about Holden Village? And we hadn't, uh, we were teaching another um, retreat sort of centers or, or art arenas, centers, yeah. arenas. Um, but then Holden was introduced to us, so we came up here and taught in 2012. And then it was one of my advisors in seminary. And uh, so after I was done with school and I was doing a project uh, up there, I got to talking to him and 
and said, uh, you know, we enjoyed our time. How do we get more involved? Not thinking that it would be this. <laughs> we thought maybe artists in residence for a little while or something. But then he said, would you be interested in at least applying and going through the process to be executive director? So we discerned and we thought, well, yeah, um, we wanted to live in a community like this. And we thought education is, and, and the arts are out of focus for us. And so we applied and went through the process, and lo and behold, out of all the candidates, it landed on, on I on think us. I think artists are particularly important at this time in um, our history of our country. And Chuck and I have been involved with um, several different um, organizations and communities, and um, one of the executive directors is now a poet. You know, there's all sorts of, of yeah, artists. I mean, there's... Um, I think organizations are really understanding that um, artists have developed a sense of imagination and and it's um, it helps you think in lots of different ways about what can be new and uh, I think that it's fun to see um, organizations tap into artistic power mm-hmm. well I think we're all glad that you brought your power to this this position Chuck I think you had one more other thought I no, interrupted no, you there okay I was just going to say thank you both for doing the work you do here and uh, wish you luck in your next year and a half and all that you're doing and and uh, so this is Peg Carlson Hoffman and Chuck Hoffman um, executive directors at Holden Village so I think everybody should be encouraged to come here at some point in their life shouldn't they, they oh, should. absolutely, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> please come yes it's such a unique place to come and be part of what we do to the air, we do to the water. What we do to the air, we do to the sea. What we do to the air, we do to the river. What we do to the air, we do to you and 